Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. This week's question is, I feel like I am six months pregnant all the time, and I know I'm not pregnant. Can you please help me with my bloating? This is a common thing we see in practice. Bloating impacts so many people across the United States and really globally. And it's really estimated that 10, 15% of our population has irritable bowel syndrome. And some sources even say up to 30% of our population experiences bloating on a regular basis. And bloating can make you feel really uncomfortable and it can be very embarrassing, especially if it's associated with gas. Uh, And there are several reasons for bloating. And so, of course, uh, our perspective is always functional medicine, root cause medicine, and understanding why you're bloated in the first place. Because once you understand that, we can address the root cause and hopefully not keep managing the symptoms of bloating or irregular bowels the rest of your life. And there are several things that I see as root causes at Stat Wellness, but the most common thing I see is what's called SIBO or small intestines bacterial overgrowth. And this is where you get too many, uh, too much bacteria colonizing in your small intestines, which doesn't have the same fermentation process our colon does. So it creates a lot of gas bloating, distension, burping, um, just a lot of discomfort. So SIBO is one of the big things I see. And then also just general dysbiosis, which is uh, a term used more when the bacteria or yeast is imbalanced in our in our large intestines. So a lot of times it is bacteria or yeast related. So whether it's SIBO in the small intestines or dysbiosis in the large intestines, that imbalance can cause bloating. So we'll talk about that a little bit further. But it also can just be a slower transit time. And uh, this can happen for several reasons. It can be low stomach acid. It can be hormonal imbalances dehydration, uh, maybe a more sedentary lifestyle so you're not getting enough physical activity to help with that motility. We also see stress or cortisol, um, our stress hormone, really impact motility. So if you're super stressed out, you're not exercising, you're not drinking enough water, you may have a slower transit time and more bloating and discomfort. And so as we meet with our patients and are trying to uncover more information about the bloating, we ask so many questions, and I wanted to just cover a couple of things that we ask uh, in functional medicine, but obviously this is not an inclusive list. Uh, We ask, is there any history of eating disorders? We see that bloating is worse in this population. When did the bloating start? What is your antibiotic history? If you're a female, is the bloating worse during certain parts of your cycle? That helps clue us in on our hormones playing a a role. Do you wake up feeling bloated or does it seem to get worse throughout the day? Do certain foods impact the bloating? Is your bloating better when you were on vacation? This is like one of my favorite questions to find out how stress is playing a role. And people are like, you know what? I actually have not noticed my bloating and my bowels are moving better when I'm on vacation. They're having slower mornings. They're better hydrated. Um, so see if if your bloating and your digestive issues are better on vacation. Stress may be playing a role. 
How much water do you drink? Is your urine clear throughout the day? This is a great way to know whether you're hydrated or not. What does your movement look like throughout the day and week? Are you sedentary or are you getting steps in throughout the day? So it's not a one size fits all, but I wanted to share a few things you could try to help with bloating. But as always, make sure to consult your healthcare provider before implementing anything new into your lifestyle. And if the bloating is significant, make sure to get evaluated uh, so that it's not anything more serious than just an irritable bowel syndrome. But even in our world, an irritable bowel syndrome is rooted in something, and we want to uncover that. So we really start by the basics. So making sure you are chewing your food thoroughly. I know this seems so um, elementary, but just sitting down, doing a few deep breaths to get that cortisol down, chewing your food thoroughly, uh, really we should chew our food on average 27 times, can be really helpful for the digestive process and the way our body is able to break down food. So just slow down when you're eating, chew that appropriate amount of times, and see if that even starts to help with motility and bloating. The other thing is kind of interesting, but a lot of people do suffer from low stomach acid. So if you are having digestive issues and it seems like it could be associated with low stomach acid, you may not want to over drink water with meals. So when we drink too much water with meals, we can dilute that stomach acid even further, which could impact motility and digestion. We know staying hydrated is really important for the way our bowels move, but maybe you try moving some of that water away from meals rather than overhydrating with meals to see if it makes a difference. And in line kind of with that stomach acid concept of helping with motility and digestion, I do see that people um, doing diluted apple cider vinegar have improvements in uh, their digestion, motility, and bloating. This is mixed in research for sure. I've actually read a study the other day of uh, 10 people with type 1 diabetes, and apple cider vinegar actually slowed down their motility, which is what we don't want to do. But in clinical practice, I have had a lot of patients notice improvements with diluted apple cider vinegar. If you ever feel worse, if you start incorporating in diluted apple cider vinegar and you're getting heartburn or indigestion, don't power through. You may have plenty of stomach acid and you don't want to make that worse because it can be hard on your esophagus. And then we always recommend dil diluting that at least one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar to four tablespoons of water, uh, but try it for yourself and see if it is helpful or harmful. We also want to reduce things that can increase gas in our digestive tract, and that's some basic things like bubbly water, soda, chewing gum. All of those things can increase air and bubbles in our digestive tract. So if you feel really bloated, you may want to cut back on carbonation or chewing gum and see if it makes a difference. Also, fiber. Fiber is super important for our motility. It's really important for our gut microbiome. Fiber is a natural prebiotic, uh, which basically is fertilizer. It helps to nourish the probiotics or the good bacteria in our gut. But you do want to increase fiber gradually. You don't want to go from you know a standard American diet of 10 uh, you know, grams of fiber per day to what we recommend 30 plus grams, or you may get worse bloating. So gradually increase this up. And there's lots of foods that are rich in fiber. This is anything from raspberries to ground flaxseed, chia seeds, uh, acacia fiber, cruciferous vegetables, avocado, chickpeas. Uh, we have so many foods that naturally have a lot of fiber. We just want to incorporate more of those into our diet. But I do love acacia fiber when you're starting out increasing your fiber because it does seem to be more on the low FODMAP list. And a lot of my patients tolerate it really well and it dissolves in liquid. 
So if you want to gradually be increasing it up, you may want to start with some acacia fiber and see if that helps with the bloating and the gas. I also have patients notice improvements when they do some really safe things like digestive bitters when it comes to motility and being able to break down your food. I also like what's called Iberogast. Uh, this has been studied in, in patients with gastroparesis to help with motility. And you can take it before each meal if it is a motility issue. And then I know I mentioned this with the vacations, but it's really important that we're managing our stress because when we're stressed, our cortisol is high and cortisol slows down motility. So just making sure that we're managing our stress, we're doing deep breathing, we're doing self-care, we're sleeping well, those have a huge impact on our gut health. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about is a low FODMAP diet. And this is something that we see clinically uh, improve bloating, abdominal pain, uh, SIBO, irritable bowel syndrome, and it's really well studied uh, to be helpful as well. So I'll share some of those studies at the in the show notes, but I don't recommend a low FODMAP diet long-term because it is really restrictive, especially if you have a history of eating disorders. But doing six weeks of a low FODMAP diet can be very effective for the IBS, the SIBO, and the bloating. Uh, when I per like personally did a low FODMAP, I like to do everything my patients do to experience what it's like and what how hard is it when you're going out to eat. I found the Monash app, it's M-O-N-A-S-H, to be very helpful when it comes to uh, bloating, discomfort, and being able to implement a low FODMAP diet. Because there is so many foods uh, that we eat, and knowing what is a high FODMAP and what is a low FODMAP can be very daunting. So with the Monash app, you just type in the food. So blueberries, you would type it in and see is it low FODMAP or high FODMAP. If you want to eat almonds, you can just type everything in and it's color coded. So if you're looking at trying a low FODMAP diet for six weeks, I highly suggest the Monash app. I am not affiliated with them at all, but it was really helpful for me uh, to know what was low FODMAP. And some of the studies that I'm going to link to in the show notes are really good uh, meta-analysis. And we've talked about these before, but meta-analysis basically pull really good studies together and see, are we seeing a common theme across these? And so one of the meta-analysis I'm going to uh, link to is it included nine randomized controlled trials of over 596 people that had um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome symptoms that went on a low FODMAP diet. And basically in their meta-analysis, they found that there was statistically significant improvements with abdominal pain and bloating in people that did a low FODMAP diet. So that was one meta-analysis. And I'm going to link a second meta-analysis that looked at six randomized controlled trials and 16 non-randomized interventions. And they also found significant improvements in bloating and abdominal pain in the people that did a low FODMAP diet. So those are two really large, good quality studies uh, as it relates to should we try doing a low FODMAP if I'm experiencing bloating. I think there is enough data there to give it a six-week trial. The other study that I want to link on there is a meta-analysis that looked at probiotic use with irritable bowel syndrome. And this one actually included 35 randomized controlled trials of over 3,400 patients. And they found uh, people just doing a kind of broad-spectrum probiotic had statistically uh, significant improvements in abdominal pain and bloating. Uh, but they also did find more side effects. And this is one of the things that we see 
is for some people, probiotics are game changing. For other people, their gut is just not ready for them and they can actually have more gas and more discomfort. And that's why it's really important to work with a healthcare provider uh, and kind of figure out that root cause. Because if you do have the SIBO or a ton of bacterial overgrowth already and you take more probiotics, you may be creating some additional gas and feel more bloated. So anything that you do, if you're feeling worse, I always recommend stopping it and seeking uh, attention and figuring out from a functional medicine perspective, what can we do? So if these things that I mentioned are not helping, or if you want to take a deeper dive, there are a lot of things that we do to help figure out the root cause. Uh, We always like to do breath tests to rule out SIBO, that small intestines back to overgrowth and or a comprehensive stool test. I really love the GI map to further evaluate our gut health. And this looks at things like the good bacteria in our gut, the bad bacteria. How is our pancreas working? Is it making enough digestive enzymes? Is there inflammation in our gut? Are we lacking prebiotics? And so it helps us kind of see, do you need a prebiotic or a probiotic? Or maybe you need just a postbiotic, something like butyrate, which in practice I have seen is super helpful for people with IBS and bloating, or what we call a leaky gut, which is an increased intestinal permeability. Butyrate can be very, very helpful in this. And then it's important to get some blood work done and see if you're having some hormonal imbalances that may be impacting your gut health and your bloating. And again, the things I see off is for sure the high cortisol, but some other things I see is thyroid imbalances. Even a slightly sluggish thyroid, I have seen slowed motility and more bloating. So we want to make sure your cortisol looks good, your thyroid looks good, and your estrogen and progesterone ratio are appropriate. So it's really important, as always, to uncover what the root cause is of your bloating, Um, but just think of some of the basic things you can do. What is side effect free? Sitting down, chewing thoroughly, maybe spacing out our water, adding in some more exercise and movement, getting some more fiber, trying a low FODMAP diet short term. Some of these things, um, they're they're not going to come with risk and they could come with a really substantial benefit. So hopefully this was helpful. I know feeling six months pregnant when you're not pregnant, I can only imagine how uncomfortable that is and know that we are here for you at Stat Wellness if you need any one-on-one support. And this whole season, again, is all about your symptoms and your questions. So send them to us at Stat Wellness, at Little By, or at Dr. Kristen Oja on Instagram. I'd love for you to follow along and interact with me on those platforms. And you can also check out our website at statwellness.com. We do have providers that do free 15-minute consults if you want to see if we're the right fit for you. But hopefully this was helpful and know that we are there to help you along the way because life is too short to be bloated. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.